Well, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, as we started to walk through Hebrews last year, I've uh, been waiting since then to say that. It's the chapter of Hebrews that so often we think of when we think of the book of Hebrews. It's a, it's a wonderful chapter. In fact, we'll spend more time in Hebrews 11 than any other chapter that we have walked through or will walk through because it is such an important passage uh, and chapter of the Bible for us to seek to understand better. It's here that the writer of Hebrews is defining for the people what biblical faith is and what biblical faith looks like, and it comes in the context of the rest of Hebrews. And so at times we tend to read passages out of their context, but I hope that as we've spent so much time building up to this chapter that you'll better understand it in its context. Now the context is the writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of Hebrew Christians who had been persecuted for their faith. Many were considering walking away from the faith. And in recent verses, as we've walked through Hebrews 10, he's commended them and encouraged them to persevere and to endure with their sights on what is to come. And we talked about that last Lord's Day as we talked about suffering and what the book of Hebrews says about suffering, that our present sufferings are used to set our focus on a future glory. And so the writer here speaking to a group of people and encouraging them to keep looking ahead, to, to draw near to Christ because Christ's return is drawing near to them, to walk by faith and not by sight, to endure and to persevere. And then he gives this definition of faith and these examples of faith. And that's what we're going to be walking through uh, throughout the coming weeks and months, beginning with the first three verses today as we address this question of what is faith. And so if you're able to, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word. As we look to what the Lord says to us in Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3. And this is the Word of God. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. You will pray with me. Father, again, we ask that You would indeed speak to us through Your Word. This is Your Word that You have preserved throughout the ages that You have handed down to us today. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be attentive to it, that we would listen to it, that You would overcome our unbelief, that we might respond in repentance and in faith as we consider what biblical faith truly looks like. We ask that You would do this work in us through the power of Your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Well, the question I put there on your outline today is, what is faith? And I think that's an important question for us to ask because faith is a term uh, that we hear all the time in our culture. Uh, you'll hear references to people of different faiths. You'll hear references uh, to people having a strong faith or someone saying that someone's a person of faith or, or they're just taking something on faith. Now the question is, when the culture and the world talks about faith, 
Is that the same faith that we're reading about here in Hebrews 11? And I would say that it's not. That the world's definition of faith is usually a blind faith. In fact, the worldly definition of faith basically says this. Faith is believing what you want to believe, yet you cannot prove. So the worldly definition of faith so often is that faith is the opposite of reason. That no explanations, uh, no evidence is necessary. We just take things on faith, blind faith. And the sad thing about that is, is that that's how many in the world view our Christian faith. They think of it as a blind faith. Even sadder than that is that that's how some Christians think of faith. And yet the Bible gives a very different definition of faith. Biblical faith is not a blind faith. Biblical faith in fact, is a seeing faith. And I hope that that will become more clear as we walk through Hebrews chapter 11 because here we have, in the beginning verses, a definition of what biblical faith is and then what follows in this chapter are examples of what biblical faith looks like. When we look back at these Old Testament men and women and we see how they had true, genuine, biblical, saving faith in order that we might be encouraged to have that same faith today in fact the overall theme that you see here is that we are to look back at the ways that god has worked in order to have a greater hope in the things that will come our faith is not blind our faith is focused on what god has said will happen pastor and theologian rc sproul and the work that he left us what is faith he said it very well and i think it summarizes much of what we're going to talk about So I want to read this to you. He said this about faith. The idea is this. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I know that God knows what tomorrow is going to bring. So if God promises that tomorrow will bring something, and if I trust God for tomorrow, I have faith in something I have not yet seen. That faith serves as evidence because its object is God. I know Him. He has a track record. He is infallible and he never lies. God knows everything and is perfect in whatever he communicates. So if God tells me that something's going to happen tomorrow, I believe it even though I haven't seen it yet. Now that, friends, is a picture of biblical faith. That is a picture of seeing faith. No, we have not seen the future, but we know the God who holds it. And so my prayer for us today as we walk through this passage, as we consider what faith is, my prayer for us is that we would grow in our faith and in our trust in the God who holds our tomorrows. So let's walk through this passage with that question, what is faith? Beginning there with the first point, the first part of the answer. Number one, faith is the substance of hope. Faith is the substance of hope. The writer says, verse 1, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The things hoped for. Well, the question we should ask is, what were the Hebrews hoping for? Do we have any insight as to what these Hebrew Christians were hoping for? And we have a great deal of insight because the writer's given us so much information and he's spoken of the hope they have. And so if you remember a few sermons ago as we were walking through Hebrews chapter 10, he essentially said to the people, You need to draw near to Christ because the day of his return is drawing near to you. 
we, we have this opportunity today to grow in our sanctification, to grow in the gospel together, to draw closer to Jesus, because the day of Jesus' return is drawing nearer to us. And we don't know when that day is coming. But we know that when we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. And so as that day draws near to us, we have this opportunity to draw near to him. And this is the hope that the writer of Hebrews is describing. This is the hope that the Hebrew Christians had as they were persecuted, as their property was plundered, as people were being persecuted for their faith. They had a hope in what was to come. It's what he ended chapter 10 with, this endurance, this call to persevere. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. And so as we saw last week, our present sufferings give us a great hope and a future glory. The hope that the Hebrew believers had, this hope that they had coming, this things they were hoping for, this was the future return of Jesus Christ. And that is where their hope was. So how does faith play a part in this hope, this future glory? Well, faith is the substance of hope. Faith is the assurance of hope. Faith is hope in action. It's because of our great hope that we have faith. Hope is what it is that compels us to walk by faith. Therefore, it is not a blind faith or a blind hope. Because our hope is on a certain future. You know, think about how we tend to talk about hope today. It's a word we use a lot. Think about maybe the last time you said or heard someone say they were hoping for something. Maybe even today, maybe you were talking to someone here at church and they were uh, telling you about uh, somebody that didn't make it today because they're homesick, and maybe you said, well, I, I hope they feel better soon. Maybe you've had a conversation recently with someone who has a job interview coming up or some type of career transition, and you say, well, I hope it goes well. I hope it works out. Maybe you're having a conversation about your favorite sports team and an upcoming game, and you say, well, I hope they play better next time than they did this last time. Now, that's typically how we use the word hope. And there's nothing wrong with that, but think about that for a second. We typically use the word hope to refer to very temporal things over which we usually don't know what the outcome's going to be. So I can hope someone's going to feel better, but they might not feel better. I can hope that an interview goes well, but it might not go well. I can hope that a team does better, and they might do worse. The hope that we often talk about is a hope in an unsure future, and in an unpredictable outcome. And that is very different than the biblical hope that's being talked about here because this is a hope in a sure outcome. This is a hope in a sure future. This is a hope in our Creator God doing what He said He's going to do. And so He has said in His Word, Christ will return. So when we put our hope in that, that is far different than saying, I hope you feel better. I hope the interview goes well. We are putting our hope in a defined, secure outcome that rests in the faithful hands of our Creator God. And that is why we can have faith. Not a blind faith, but a biblical faith. Not a blind hope but a biblical hope. And so we see here that faith is the substance of that hope. Number two, faith is the evidence of things not seen. 
It is the evidence of things not seen. He continues there in this definition of faith in verse 1. Now, faith is the conviction of things not seen. That that word conviction means the act of presenting evidence for the truth of something. So, faith is the evidence of the truth of the things that we have not seen. Now, here the question comes up. If our faith is not a blind faith, then how do you reconcile that with a passage that talks about things we haven't seen? Now, that can seem to imply blind faith. In fact, some may come to verse 1 and say, well, see, there it's a blind faith. You don't see it. But again, consider the context. Now, what is the writer of Hebrews talking about? He's talking about a future hope of a future glory that has been promised by a God who is faithful. And he's saying, well, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen the future, but we know it's coming. Therefore, we put our hope in what we have not seen. Our hope rests in what is to come. Our faith is in an unseen future. And we can have faith in an unseen future because our faith is rooted in a seen past. And that is why he walks through rather exhaustively this list of men and women of God in Hebrews 11. That's why up till now, in the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, he's called our attention so much back to the Old Testament because he's laying out an argument. Look at how faithful God has been. And we can trust God to continue to be faithful. But one of the great benefits we have today as followers of Jesus Christ is we have in front of us clearly translated the Word of God so that we can meditate on it and read it and consider all the ways that God has worked throughout salvation history. Do you realize what a gift that is to the church today? I mean, do you understand there was a day 500 years ago when someone would get up to a pulpit to read a Bible that was chained to the pulpit in a language that you didn't understand. Do you realize there are still churches today and places of worship today where people gather and someone gets up and starts talking about the Bible and they don't have a clue what they're talking about and the people don't know what they're talking about. We have a unique privilege today as followers of Jesus Christ to open up the Word of God and to read how God has worked throughout salvation history in order that our faith may grow as we look towards what God says is coming. If you want to have a greater hope in what is to come, then spend time meditating on what God has done. But the reality for many of us is we don't have a great hope in what is to come. Because we spend so little time considering what God has done. And that's why, friends, we, we have reminders <laughs> built into our time of worship to call our attention back. That's why every time we come to the Lord's table together, we are reminded of what God has done, what He is doing, and what He will one day do. That's why when we take the bread and we take the cup, Jesus said that cup was to remind us of the new covenant made possible through his blood. That bread was to remind us as we break it of his body, which was put on the cross for us. Why? So that when we take that bread and we take that cup, we can look back at what Jesus did in salvation history to secure our redemption today. We can have hope for today because of what Jesus did then. But not just that. He said we are to gather and receive this meal until the day that he returns 
And so he says we look back and we look ahead when we come to the Lord's table. We consider there's a day in the future that is coming when we'll have more than that little plastic cup of juice and that little barely a chiclet cracker when we will feast at a banquet table and a new heaven and a new earth with our Lord Jesus. Just consider what it is God calls us to look forward to. Come and gather in this church building and maybe you come in here overwhelmed with burden. Maybe you don't know that you're going to make it or somebody you love is going to make it through the rest of this year. Maybe you are worn out, stressed out, spent out, and you're just barely here. And we have the Lord's Supper and you're just sitting there looking at it. And maybe your mind's in a hundred places. But for a moment, God reminds you and I that there's a day coming and glory with Christ when He makes all things new. And in the middle of our stressed out, worn out, spent out lives, we can stop and we can consider, God, You were faithful then and You're faithful today and You will indeed be faithful in the future. This is what biblical faith is. We're reminded as we look back to look ahead we're reminded that what god has said he would do he did and what god says he will do he will we're reminded of the lord's table we're reminded of it every time we celebrate christian baptism believers baptism that that is a picture of what jesus has done jesus died for our sins he was buried he was raised on the third day we identify with the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ when we go under that water and we tell a lost and dying world and we tell a believing community i now identify with jesus christ he has cleansed me but not just that we look ahead jesus says in his word that that resurrection we identify with it is coming there is a day when he will resurrect this body we will share in a resurrection like his And so biblical faith takes these reminders and uses them to look ahead and have hope in what is to come. Faith is the substance of that hope. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And we see third, number three, faith is the foundation of our relationship with God. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. Moving on to verse 2, the writer says, For By it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. You think about that word commendation. When we think about commendation in our current context, you may think of a military sense, someone receiving a commendation. You may think of a reward. You may think of something that's been earned. You may think of someone being commended because it's based on their achievements in something they've experienced or something they've done. But notice how this commendation is earned in Hebrews 11.2. It comes by faith. And what is that commendation? What is that reward? Well, we see it in Hebrews chapter 10. That reward is the glory that is coming. That reward is a new heaven and a new earth. That reward is the eternal reign of Jesus Christ. And the way that that reward is received is by faith. And so what you'll see as we walk through Hebrews 11 is this is not a chapter of human achievement. 
this is not a chapter that celebrates the accomplishments of these men and women. This is not a chapter that focuses on their beauty or their bravery. It doesn't focus on their power or their popularity. No, it is a chapter in which we see they are commended because of their faith. And, and here's the thing, and here's where I mean, we just see the overwhelming grace of God. We're going to take a lot of time to go through this chapter because it's important that we recognize as God mentions these people of great faith, <laughs> when we know something about them, when we go back and look at their story, we find that they all failed miserably. <laughs> and in fact, if you measure them by their successes and their failures, for many of them, their failures outweigh their successes. That they struggled to have faith. There were many times they didn't have faith. And yet, God commends them. Why? Because ultimately, they had biblical, genuine, saving faith. And that should encourage us today. Because we struggle. We are people who wrestle with faith. I remember as a, a new believer, I was... 17 years old, I was a freshman in college, and I was just trying to figure out what it meant to walk by faith. And the very first book that I read outside of reading the Scripture was a book by Pastor Charles Swindoll called Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. And I think of that title often, this sense of, you know, we, we, we get a little bit ahead and then we get knocked back. And oftentimes in life, I felt more like it's two steps forward, ten steps back. That, that if somehow I was able to look back at my life and my faith, it would look like this roller coaster experience. And maybe you identify with that. Because we struggle to be consistent. We struggle to walk by faith and not by sight. But the good news of the Gospel is that we are saved based on the substance of our faith and who our faith is in, not the amount of faith we have. It is not just those with a great, great faith that are saved. It is those with faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. So if you are here this morning and you struggle, and you have that up and down experience all the time, then you are in good company in Hebrews 11. Because this is a list of people who struggled, and yet they were commended by their faith because ultimately their trust was in God, and that's how they were saved. Which asks the question of us. Do we have this kind of faith? Again, I'm not asking you the amount of your faith, the strength of your faith. I'm asking you the substance of your faith. Does your faith this morning rest in Christ and in Christ alone? Or is your faith also in yourself and your merits? Maybe your faith is in a religious system that if you just do the right things and follow the right code and, and, and do well by the right measures, that you'll be okay. Maybe if you're good can outweigh your bad. Maybe if you're a good moral person, maybe that's what you need to do. And that's your system of faith. That, that is not biblical faith. Biblical faith is a faith that understands what God's Word teaches us. That, that we have all sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. That means God's standard is perfection and righteousness, and we all miss it. In fact, the Scripture says we desperately miss it. You may think, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm not as bad as the rest of these folks. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. 
It's easy to measure ourselves by other people. I'll tell you my recent guilty pleasure, and, and maybe I need to repent of this, but I've started watching this show called Live PD. Has anybody seen this? If you want to feel better about yourself, just watch it. Because there's some messed up people in this world. And you can watch them get arrested. And as you watch them get arrested, you're sitting there thinking, man, I felt bad for them. Man, look at what they're doing. And there's this scale we can have where we look at people and look at just how messed up their lives are and we start to feel better about ourselves. It's called self-righteousness. That's not the righteousness that the Gospel calls us to. And what the Gospel teaches us is, friends, we're live PD. (laughs) We have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Maybe our sin has not manifested itself and it doesn't look like the sin of our neighbor but, but our hearts, the Scripture says, is desperately wicked. And even if we never act on the inclinations of it, what does Jesus say? If you lust after someone, you're an adulterer. If you call them a fool in your mind, you're a murderer. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying the standard is righteousness, and you don't even come close to the standard. So we need to stop measuring ourselves by looking around. We need to measure ourselves by looking up and looking at the Scripture. And what we find is we fall desperately short of the righteousness of God. But the good news of the Gospel is this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if you confess Him as your Lord, if you repent and turn from your sin, He says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what true biblical saving faith is. And I can't look at you this morning and tell you whether you have it or not. But God can. The Scripture says that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God knows your heart this morning. The question is, has that heart been made new by the gospel of Jesus Christ? And if it has not, then friends, you are to abandon your religious attempts at self-righteousness and to run to the cross of Jesus Christ. He says, if you will confess Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. And that is what true biblical faith is. It is the foundation of our relationship with God. And number four, faith is believing and trusting in God. Faith ultimately is believing and trusting in God. Look at the picture he gives us now. Remember, he's built an argument for what faith is. He's going to show us uh, person after person examples of true biblical saving faith. And then notice what he tells us in verse 3 as an example of what it means to have this type of faith. He says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And so the, the picture here is this. He's saying, look at the splendor of creation. Now, consider how much more we can do this today than the Hebrews could do in this day. I mean, you can go home and get on the internet, you can turn on the TV, and you can see more of the splendor of the universe today than than anyone else ever has been able to in the history of the world. And we can see amazing things out into the vastness of space. We, We can see just the wonder of the universe. And how are we to respond to what we see? 
as believers of God's Word, the Scripture says we respond by seeing these things and understanding that they were made out of something we can't see. That they were made by the hand of a Creator God. That we can see what He made, but it points us towards what we cannot see. And in the same way, we look towards that which we believe in, we trust in, and yet we cannot see Now, I understand the world answers the question of creation very differently. Maybe some of you in this room answer that question very differently. And we're taught that the world and just pure science apart from biblical revelation, that the world came into existence through this this cosmic explosion of a big bang. I remember years ago, I was watching a, a late night show it was the David Letterman show, so that dates a little bit, because some of you don't even know who that is. But uh, I was watching the David Letterman show, and he had a scientist on the show who'd just written a book about uh, the expanding universe. And in fact, I remember it was years ago watching it that he was saying about this time we wouldn't even exist because of the expansion of the universe. But put that aside for a second. He was talking about how the universe came into existence. And Letterman, who by no means has ever professed to be a believer in Scripture, uh, as this man described the Big Bang Theory, he said, well, I've got a question I was always wondering. What was before that? <laughs> and you can tell they had not rehearsed this question because the scientist just kind of said, uh, 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 well, that's a question we don't really ask much. And he said, I'm just curious, what was before that? Well, we don't ask it because we don't know. <laughs> that, that's where the questions take us. However you believe creation began, the, the question is, what was before that? And the Scripture has an answer for that. The, Christian, the, the Scripture says that creation is ex nihilo; It's out of nothing. That God, by His Word, created everything. And so we see the splendor of all of it. We see the power of the Word. But if you don't believe that, the question is, well, what was before that? Well, there was such and such. Okay, what was before that? Well, there was that. Well, what was before that? Again, R.C. Sproul does well with this in his article on what is faith he says this at some point in your scientific analysis as you reason backward from what you can see you run against the casual necessity of an unseen invisible non-physical cause for all that you see and the scripture answers that question for us it says what we see is the hand of our creator god that we cannot see but that we believe and we trust and we have faith in and this It's good news for us because as followers of Jesus, if we can look at the splendor of the universe, if we can just look out our window at creation and we can see a picture that came into being by the Word of God and we can trust in that, then friend, we can trust in that same Word of God to sustain us today. If God created the entire universe by His very Word, then God can persevere us and help us to endure today through whatever it is we are going through. When we see the majesty of creation, we are reminded of the greatness of God and the persevering, enduring power of God. And by the same Word that created all things, we, we can be held firm in his grip until the day that all things come to fruition and we experience a new heaven a new earth and a new creation the scripture calls us to walk by faith 
and not by sight. The question is, friend, are you walking by faith? That do you believe and do you trust? Another way of asking this question is simply this. When you consider your day-to-day life today, the actions, the attitudes that you have, the actions that you perform, that the way you do things, how you are the way you are, when you consider those things, what is it that motivates you the most? What is it that informs your decisions? What is it that presses you forward? Is it the Word of God? Or is it the desires of your flesh? Is it the Word of God, that very Word that created all things? Or is it the fleeting and ever-changing opinions of man? What is it that drives you in this world today? And if it's not based on what God's Word says, that is an indication that yours may not be a genuine saving faith that we're called to. And that may be the invitation you need today to put your faith and your trust in God. Because the God who created the universe is the same God who will do everything He said that He will do. Do you believe Him today? Do you trust Him today? Do you truly believe that He will comfort us when we mourn and grieve as Jesus said He would in Matthew chapter 5? Do you truly believe and trust that He will reward those who are persecuted for their faith, as He said in Matthew 5, 10-12? Do you truly believe and trust that God gives a peace that the world cannot give, as we read about in John 14, 27? Do you believe that God will give a rest to those who are heavy, burdened, and weary, and overwhelmed as they come to Jesus with their weariness and with their burdens, as Jesus said He would in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Do you believe and trust that God will save everyone who calls on His name, as He says He will in Romans 10, 13? And friend, do you trust today that He will indeed wipe the tears from our eyes and death and pain shall be no more and that one day He will make all things new as He said He would in Revelation 21, verse 4. That this is just a sampling of the many promises of God. Do you believe them and do you trust them? And if you do, then friend, that is what it looks like to have faith but if you find yourself lacking that belief and lacking that trust today then God's invitation to you is to turn and to trust in him and so we're going to give an opportunity to do that through our time of response so if you would stand together as I pray for us and what we're going to do in these moments is just take a moment to respond to God's word through prayer And so I'm going to pray for us, but as I do, I'm going to invite you to pray as well. I'm going to lead us through a few things that I'm going to invite you to pray about in response to God's Word. And then after we pray, we're going to sing and we're going to have a chance for response. It may be that God's leading you to come and profess Christ before this church body today or to start the process of 
church membership or to come in obedience to be baptized or it may be that that after you have an opportunity to pray that you want somebody to pray with you and i'd be glad to do that but but first we're just going to take a moment to pray and so if you would bow your heads and pray with me father i I pray that you would do what only you can do in our lives today that you would call us and, and you would through the power of your holy spirit empower us to trust you, to believe you. Friends, some of you this morning may be struggling with those very things. You you may be struggling to trust God. You may be struggling to believe his word. And so we want to take a moment right now just for you to be honest with God about your struggles, honest with God about your unbelief, honest with God about your struggles to trust, would you take a moment right now and just be honest with the Lord? He he knows your heart. Would you be honest with Him and speak with Him in prayer about these struggles that you're having? There may be others of us in this room who we, we know what God's Word says. We believe what God's Word says, and yet our life is not consistent with God's Word. We struggle with sin, but perhaps there are things that we are very clear about, and God's Word is very clear about, and we are rebelling against God. We are actively disobedient. We are persisting in our sin. And the Holy Spirit this morning, friend, may be convicting you of that very thing and calling you to repent and to trust in Jesus. Would you take a moment right now to acknowledge before God that you indeed are a sinner, that you have been running towards that sin? Would you go before God now and turn and repent and place your trust in Jesus? Father, I pray for each of us here today that you would put in our heart a heavenward hope, that that we would put a hope not just in the temporal things of this world, things that have an undetermined outcome, but Lord, that we would put our hope in the eternal promises you've made to us which have a sure outcome because they are held in your hands. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to obey you. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.